Hi. Hey, humans. Where have you been, Josh? I'm sure you must be asking. We've been waiting for four months for, 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 for a new episode of the City Speaking Podcast. Where you been? What's going on? Well, it's been a bit of a crazy few months. I've had quite a few projects going on and some family things came up. So apologies, everyone, for waiting for so long before releasing uh, these new episodes of the podcast. However, I'm really excited for today's episode. All right. So first things first, apologies for the delay, but we're back. And boy, baby, are we back. All right, let's get to the podcast. This city speaks, you try to follow obedient, even the ones that don't swallow. Hey, humans, welcome to the City Speaking Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm recording this intro right now in a guest house in my room here in Chiang Mai. John Ho and I have been on the road for the past few days. For those of you that don't know, uh, you can find out more about John in Episode 7. I actually do an interview with him. Um, but those of you that have been following me on social media and know what's going on, John and I have been, we started this project a few months ago, uh, the Almost There project, uh, where we travel to different places and have conversations with people, really try to find out more about the place uh, through conversations, through the people, and uncover their stories and share things that are interesting. Uh, John does Periscope, so John will do a lot of live streaming videos, you know, whereas I do, I have this podcast, and this is, this is my platform. And I've also been doing a lot more Periscope now these days as well, so please be sure to follow me on social media to see what I've been up to and see where things are going. So why am I in Chiang Mai, though? I've been in Chiang Mai because uh, John and I have been traveling a bit through northern Thailand for this exact kind of project going around, meeting people, having interesting conversations, really trying to figure out what life is like uh, around the world, outside of our own bubble, if you will. And man, this trip has been, this trip has been uh, kind of life-changing, I gotta be honest, especially with the, with, um, we went to go, go to go to an orphanage early on. Uh, we, we decided that we would add a charity uh, component to this trip, and we got to go to the to the orphanage. And what we also did was we also did a fundraiser. We also did a GoFundMe page for this project, for this trip, for John and I. And we decided the first three hundred U.S. dollars. We thought we'd be a bit modest. The first three hundred U.S. dollars that would get donated to this project would go to the orphans. And um, we reached that goal. So John and I were very proud and very pleased to be able to go to the orphanage with the funds. We met the kids. It was phenomenal. And, um, wow, oh, oh, can you guys hear the construction in the background? They really couldn't have chosen a better time for this. Um, but anyway, uh, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. Uh, and I actually do interview uh, the people that run the orphanage and the uh, her story is amazing, and her husband, her husband's story is also f phenomenal. So, uh, you guys won't want to miss that. So stay tuned for that. That'll be a few more episodes down the line. In the meantime, though, um, the first almost there project, Myanmar, a few months ago. John and I got to talk to a lot of really great people, and one of them is Bob Percival. Before I talk a bit about Bob, I want to 
share a bit of news, which is rather sad, but I'd rather share this with you now before I start the uh, start the intro about telling you about who Bob is. Uh, sadly, last month, uh, Bob actually passed away. And, uh, you know, for the, for the brief period of time that John and I got to spend time with Bob, he was nothing but gracious to us. He was very kind and generous with, with his time with me. And he, he, we did this phenomenal podcast, this episode, uh, which I hope all of you will enjoy. We walked through a portion of Yangon. What he had done, what he had done, is really, really interesting. He had gone to the neighborhoods um, with 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 a local friend to talk to the different neighbors, uh, to talk to different people in the neighborhoods, and find out about their lives, the buildings, the structures that they live in. And in that process, there's a lot of history in Yangon. I hadn't even realized how much uh, history and how layered the history and the influences are of all these different cultures and, and, and countries that have come in. You, have the, you had the Brits who came in. Uh, you know, they, they, it, Myanmar was a colony for a long time. Uh, then, of course, it was called Burma. Uh, you have French influence, you have Indian influence, you have all these different kind of influences. And, you, and Yangon is just this intense, vibrant city. And what Bob had done, he created these walking tours. And what you would get to do is, in the process of walking through these neighborhoods, find out all these interesting stories about Yangon, about the structures, about the different cultures. And it was just so much fun. It was a really, really great way to learn about a place as opposed to just, oh, here's a documentary or, oh, here's a book. Or it was just, it was the most practical, hands-on, uh, visceral way of learning about a place. And um, we're obviously really sad that Bob, Bob's no longer with us. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I, I feel extra sad because he's on, he won't be able to hear this episode. However, what I am happy to do is share this episode with all of you. Um, I do want to let you know, as I mentioned earlier on, this is a this was a walking tour, so the sound may you're going to hear all kinds of sounds. You're going to hear the streets. You're going to hear cars honking. You're going to hear the wind. You're going to hear birds. You're going to hear you're going to hear us talking. And we're moving a little bit, so the volume and audio shifts around a little bit. But hopefully, that gives you the a sense of the ambiance and the flavor of the place. And in the process, Bob has a lot of information. And, and in the process of walking around, we just, we just found out so much. Uh, Bob was just so knowledgeable and so giving with it. And, and um, I'm, really, I'm really glad that I got to meet him and, uh, and I got to do this, do this episode of the podcast with him. Um, okay, I think that's enough of me talking for now. Without further ado... It is my honor to present to you my street walking tour of Yangon with Bob Percival. This city speaks, you try to follow obedient, even the ones that don't swallow. Crossing bridges, connecting you know, the dots, typhoons, slicing between guests. You can get to these lovely, clean, bright places, and um, the, the um, wife doesn't have to cook. You know? 
mm, and the family can kind of <laughs> family can. So it's like a, it's like a meal out situation. Though, yeah, basically. yeah, it's a meal out. Because everybody lives in pretty cramped places. What is, uh, this is great here because you've got a Hindu temple right next to the KFC. Like they share a wall. They share a wall, so you can sit upstairs there in the KFC and look out towards the temple. Wow! I don't know who has a better view. <laughs> So this, is, this has been rebuilt over the last two years. Uh, this is the Kamaji Hindu temple. Uh, and uh, before here there was just like a vacant lot with a little shrine. And then um, they got six rich sponsors from India put in the money to build, to build the temple. Uh, beautiful kind of hand, all the stuff is hand sculpted in concrete, all the, all the different statues of um, Ganesh. Mm. Uh, they had a great opening party for this, uh, like a puja. Um, and they ended up going down this street, Bosa Pesci, where we're going, okay. uh, with an elephant and a whole entourage of Indian singers and dancers. But at the same time, there was a Catholic procession coming from the other end with the Virgin Mary carrying the Virgin Mary. Anyway, the elephant won. The, oh, the Virgin Mary had to back off. Oh God, that that scene that sounds like a, <laughs> a scene from funny. a '70s Woody Allen movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was very Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, beautiful though. Yeah. The neighborhood is such a it's such a mishmash of of of, of old buildings, new buildings, yeah. cult, different cultures. Uh, it, oh, sorry, Jesus. Can you tell me a bit about the neighborhood? You were saying this area was decimated before, or yeah. Well, this is um, this area. Um, which is kind of called downtown, is a grid 50 streets by four kind of avenues. So the English in 1850 kind of leveled this whole area. It used to have a lot of little stupas and creeks and, you know, waterways and stuff like that. Um, and then um, they raised the whole town four foot because it was very wet and then, and then built, built this city. But it was, you know, uh, totally built by kind of Indian labor. Uh, which they imported from from uh, from India, like five hundred thousand people a year. So you had kind this of this is the eighteen hundreds or seventeen. Yeah, this is the early nineteen hundreds now, Sorry, around nineteen hundred to nineteen twenty. So between nineteen hundred and nineteen twenty, this is a, one of the richest cities in um, in Asia, and um, Yangon was the second busiest port in the world after New York. So the British were exporting rice and timber, so it was an incredibly rich place. So what you see here now is some of that richness, but you know, then the depression happened in 30, 1930, and then the, the war happened in you know 45. So everything's kind of been going downhill since since the 1920s. The, the, the buildings and the structures are just so yeah, so yes. beautiful and so fascinating, but also you can really see where people have tried to make do. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. This is an interesting street because it's on the edge of India Town. So if you head um, west from here, it becomes the Indian Quarter. If you head east, it's kind of more Buddhist. But you've got some great architecture in this place. Like here, here you've got a 1900 uh, Catholic church, which was Catholic mission French missionaries in the 1900. Um, there's another big, huge cathedral further uptown as well. This is St. John's. This is the downtown church. For poor, the poorer Catholics. For the poorer Catholics. <laughs> uh, but um, absolutely overflowing on Sunday morning. Very popular. Uh, you have a bell, big bell tower here, which is right next door to uh, one foot away 
from uh, from apartments and they ring their bells at some five thirty in the morning. Oh, so everybody gosh. wakes up here. Oh, so and they build the they build the tower separate from the church because the land here sinks, you know, like in Venice. So if it was attached to the church, would kind of rip the church apart. So it's kind of built separately. So all of this whole thing is slowly, slowly sinking. Is that what oh, you're there's saying? a little? Yeah. Some of the buildings are like sinking a little bit, but you know, nothing's kind of really radical. Gotcha. Yeah, because I've heard about tiny sinkholes and stuff like that. Yeah. No, this doesn't happen. The big buildings sink a little bit. So here, opposite the the church because it was French. Uh, you have these beautiful uh, one, two, three, four-story apartments, um, which have got this incredible French New Orleans design. See the verandas, <laughs> the kind of curve. Yeah, it does look um, quite... Uh... So this is a 1928 building. So this is just before the Depression. So these would have been like really luxurious, luxurious. apartments. Yeah. There's two buildings like this. They're quite rare. Uh, so you get this great mishmash of, uh, of design and cultures, you know? It's got like a, a French design building but built by Indian labor, you know, in a, in a Burmese city occupied by the English. <laughs> Talk it's about multiculturalism yeah. and uh, modernity, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, but now, you know, people living here only pay <clears throat> about maybe $150 a, a month rent. Okay. And uh, there's, the landlord doesn't care about the building. So it's kind of just falling now. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard that um, from a few people, just how you know the reality of things are is if everyone just sort of has to take care of themselves, you yeah. talk to people, no one's necessarily going to figure it out for There's you. There's no safety net here. There's no yeah. place to go to for yeah. any grievances, really, or to have no. things done. Like, There's no real rule of law here, really. Yeah. It's um, kind of crazy to think about that. We're just so used to rule of law in the West, right? Yeah, well, here... This, oh, that's what the new president is trying to establish. Here's another great building. <coughs> this is um, kind of a pale blue, kind of half falling down with trees growing all over it. From the wet season, you get your own tree outside your window. <coughs> so this is around 1910, and this is what they call Bombay, Bombay colonial style. So it's gone from England to India to here, this style very kind of beautiful um, but this in these apartments was where they would have had the Indian cheap Indian labor so there would have been like 40 men staying in these rooms overnight and then coming out to, to, to work so now the all these different buildings now they're just family homes or just people uh, have... no these are owned um, some of these apartments would be owned um, and others would be just renting people would be renting we would have an Indian absentee landlord probably, um, and who owns the land and maybe the building. Uh, it's very complicated ownership here. Yeah. There's well, no such thing as like a proper ownership of something. Uh, so titles and deeds are yeah, not as a... no, no. And what would be happening here is the, the, the landlord, the person who owns this building, <coughs> would be putting pressure on these people um, to, to move <coughs> so then he can demolish it to build new apartments. Well, this see, is what's happening all over down. This gentrification, right, basically is what they're... Uh, uh, gentrification, kind of. It's just a more of a modernization. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Because we're seeing this in Hong Kong as well. Um, yeah. Uh, owners are trying to, like, maintain entire... Like, buy out entire city blocks. Yeah. So that yeah. they can develop them and stuff. Yeah. So what they usually do is they offer the people money, <coughs> plus they offer them one or two apartments in the new building. 
which is very attractive. That people living here have no nostalgic <laughs> feeling about old buildings. They just want to move into a new apartment. Uh, we do. It's very practical. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, you, do you think this whole idea of, of preserving things, is that a very Western idea? Like, we want to preserve this old structure. We yeah. want this as... We, we see it as being perhaps, you know, quaint or whatever. It's a very Western thing. It's a very luxurious thing to do, really. I mean, I, I agree with it. It should be done. Uh, but the Chinese, what the Chinese do, they just demolish things and then rebuild the new looking what it used to look like when it was old. They have no concept of actually preserving the original structure. And the same in Japan. Well, yeah, because you, you were, in, you were in, um, in China for quite some yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. For, for four years, yeah. Mm. So I saw rapid change all the time of things being pulled down and built up. And, and uh, no nostalgia. The Cultural Revolution like did most of the damage in, <coughs> in China. There's another interesting building, but this is totally Islamic design. 1936, 1939. It's good they put the dates on all the buildings. Yeah, helpful, <laughs> helpful. <coughs> but you can see it's totally... Um, they have lots of kind of... Um, vents, you know, in the in the building so mm. to cool it off. Right. So the Indians knew how to build a building which was cool. But you hear, look at the English building, it's nothing, it's just there's nothing to make it cool. It's just French it's, windows. It, and yeah, stuff it's, like just, that. it's like they're still in England, right? But um, but this is a very nice design. What's the oldest building around the neighborhood? Well th this this church, the 1900 church, would be the oldest building in this street. I see. Yeah. But that one, the big red big building up on the corner is 1877. That's the oldest British building. That was the Burma Railways office. Yeah. What is it now? Uh, now they're converting it into a five-star luxury peninsula hotel. So the peninsula's bought it out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're so going to refurbish it? And they're yeah. Gonna make it yeah. Mm -hmm. Done by this guy called Serge Poon. Who owns Yoma Bank? And he also does. He also own um, the uh, Panlang yeah. property, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of things. This peninsula hotel building will tell Yeah. Huh. Uh, so this is a here. This um, <coughs> you've got a green green wall with a school behind it. So this is a government school, local school. We got Indian kids coming. You got Burmese kids coming. Maybe Chinese. I'm not sure. Uh, but this would have been the Catholic school. But in 1962, the government requisitioned all banks and all schools and made them into government schools. So yeah. there are no such thing anymore as um, <clears throat> no no private schools. Yes, no. there are now. Yes, there are there, now. there's lots of private schools now. So if you have a money, if you have money and you want to actually you want an education, you send them to a private school. <coughs> the school system is very um, basic. Here. But this lovely wall here that's all overgrown and dirty and mouldy. Is uh, one year old. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. I, I thought you were going to give us some <laughs> historic, you know, oh, during the Depression they built yeah, this wall yeah, or whatever. Right, or, yeah. No, it wasn't, huh? Yeah. Just the cheap so the paint and lots of rain. So, is the government upkeeping these uh, public schools nowadays? Or? Upkeeping them? <clears throat> They're just kind of maintaining them. The budget is really low. Yeah. yeah. And the, all the learning is very rote learning. You'll hear the kids chanting out, you know, stuff. There's no critical thinking. Yeah. taught here but they've got the a uh, very high literacy rate like about 85 or 90 percent very high but it's free so they do have they don't, hmm? it's free education yeah 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 but they do learn to read and write 
The teachers are just local Burmese. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wears green and white. The kids wear green and white. The teachers wear green and white. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is wow. um, a great building. This is, this is so this is like a beige, three, four-story building. Yeah. We've got we've got sort of a flowery motif with all. Wow. T tell us about this building. Yeah. This is a mansion. This this building is one of the few um, mansions downtown. Uh, it was built in uh, like um, probably 1915 uh, by ri rich Indian Muslim trader who was uh, exporting cheap cloth from here and importing expensive cloth back uh, and selling it at good prices to the British. So he used to have two, he had two wooden houses here which both burnt down and then he decided to build this beautiful massive four-story mansion for the family. So the interesting thing is that the granddaughter of this guy still lives here. She's my age, she's kind of 60-something. Uh, she lives up on the third floor. Okay. Uh, her husband just died, uh, unfortunately. Mm. So um, on the third floor, oh, they, they have no money. So now this guy did have lots of money, but this family has no money now. Um, they had to leave this building during the war come back again. They had another four houses which were all taken by the army but they left them this house. Uh, up on the top floor is the blind auntie that walks around up there and on the first floor is another auntie so it's kind of basically the family's living here. They have a little bit of kind of tailor work to making clothes to earn a little bit of money and they because they had no money they had to rent this Spaced out down below where they've done a horrible kind of renovation for the building. Yeah, like it's just—it looks really out of place. It looks yeah. obviously just we're gonna we're gonna take care and maintain our little portion of it. Yeah, right. You take care of yourself, and yeah. we'll we'll leave it as ours. Yeah. Up there. Uh, but that gives them a bit of money. Mm, sure. Beautiful. Yeah. It's all and all these building materials in there are all kind of like um, tiles from India, um, other tiles from Portugal. Uh, there's steel beams from Scotland, from all the Scottish traders. There's um, stained glass from England. Beautiful, beautiful teak staircase in there. Wow. We can uh, walk inside. Which we can, we can have a look in. Yeah. Are, we, are we allowed in? We I'm allowed in, yeah. It's okay. Just to the first floor. Okay. What's the preferred building material for the outside? Uh, it's um, kind of like a cement stucco. Okay. Yeah, over brick. So, uh, here we go. Okay. Hello. So, what's beautiful about this building is that it's completely un unchanged, you know? So, it hasn't been renovated in its kind of original condition. This is a beautiful teak staircase here, which is what everybody wanted, and they're still ripping out, you know, the, the teak wood. And teak so wood is just so hardy. It's just such a yeah, great wood. Yeah, beautiful, resistant to water, very easy to work with, beautiful color, lasts forever. And um, that's what the English were kind of making their money from the teak and from the rice. The English had this philosophy that um, it's such a waste that there's all these resources there and they're not being used. <laughs> so we have to take all that wood. We have to take all that stuff, you know, otherwise it's just being wasted. Good imperial thinking. But, uh, 
So here are the steel beams from would have been imported from Scotland because a lot of the traders were Scottish. Mm. Yeah, the Scots were. The, it's almost like the, the Brits sent the Scots everywhere, and the Scots were just like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll they were hard working. They're very much so. Yeah. That's why so many places around the world have Scottish names and stuff. Yeah. Well, when George Orwell was here, he um, he, d- he hated the Scottish because they were wowsers. They were non-drinking Presbyterian type of people, right? And he ha- hated the Americans because uh, they were all loud, loud mouth drunks. <laughs> so nothing's no. changed much, you see. No. Uh, but he hated everybody. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah, beautiful woodwork. But this, yeah. the thing is, this structure has been here since, sorry, when was it again? 1915. And it hasn't really changed much at all. No, so in this perfect is a, condition. So all this, these tiles, These beautiful floors, tiles is, are from India. So we're talking about a hundred year old building. Yeah, yeah. And these blue tiles are from uh, Portuguese. Yeah. The wrought iron is Scottish. And the stained glass, I don't know where, either England or Scotland. This is, um, reminds me of uh, Macau. Really? Yeah. A little yeah. bit, just because in Macau, obviously it's all a bit newer now, and Macau's very touristy, um, but same thing, a lot of Portuguese architecture yeah. and tiles and structures out there. Yeah, yeah. Very beautiful. And uh, you can hear the sewing machines going upstairs from a little bit of work that they're doing. And here outside, it's interesting, <clears throat> you can see on the right the, these block of 1922 apartments. Mm. Uh, each with their own little veranda. Different colours. Looks a bit like Havana. It, yeah. Cuba. But here you'll see a gaping hole, which is where there was another building like this, and this kind of just disappeared almost overnight. They they made an offer to all the tenants, and they left, and they pulled the building down. And so brick by brick. They you know, knocked it down brick by brick. It was amazing. And they, re- and they just resettle everyone. Yeah. They'll get a deal. They'll get a deal in the new building. They'll get an apartment in the new building. Which they're happy to do, but you kind of lose this, you know, kind of streetscape. Right. Uh, it, it's so, it's so. <clears throat> I always find it so, so jarring and bizarre. Even though Hong Kong can be like this at times, and many other cities as well, you have these old, beautiful structures yeah. with a lot of history in them. Yeah. And then right behind it, you have, yeah. you know, yeah. a brand new hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that your eye can actually visually get used to. Mm. Sure, in, sure, sure. in a way, it creates an interesting diversity rather than it all being homogenous. But in, in another way, it doesn't quite look as beautiful, right? Sure. Yeah, mm. yeah. Depends how you look at it. Very true. <laughs> no, that is true. Yeah, but it would, it would be a real loss uh, for them to lose all these old buildings. And the Singaporeans, a lot of Singaporeans come here to Yangon now for a holiday just for the weekend. And they all say, oh, I wish we hadn't have pulled down all our buildings. I wish we'd, you know, kept a bit of character. So they feel this loss. Yeah. Sense of heritage and history, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, at the moment, there's not enough money to kind of uh, do up these buildings. Some of them are being turned into um, boutique hotels. Or hotel people seem to be the only people that have money to do to do up an office. Well, hospitality, right? <laughs> yeah. That's sort of where the money Or a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's happening more and more here. Um, I, haven't heard of, I haven't heard of a private person getting an old building and doing it up uh, yet. I think there's one street that is being gentrified up near the ministry, uh, Bogalese Street. And they own... Oh. And you see a bit of gentrification. That's the sewing machine that's upstairs. That's the sewing machine, yeah. 
kind of my goth. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's their house, right? Yeah. So, okay. so hang on. So this is just a staircase, and this just goes. Their house is. They're, they're right there, and they just live right there. Yeah, room. this is the third is floor, no just above us. Uh, now you just. This is you know just a very open door up here, and then there's a then there's the another stairway going up to the top floor where the uh, where the auntie blind auntie lives. <laughs> But it's very beautiful. All this woodwork, too, is no nails. It's all kind of dowel, wooden dowel, put together. It's really nice. Yeah, really beautiful. Really nice curved banister. Mm. Yeah. So this is the only place like this downtown. Very rare. Yeah. It's such a good... Uh, yeah. Even though they, none of these buildings are protected, but I think if anything, anyone tried to do something to this building, it would be... People, People would, would be very upset, yeah. I'd be here, You'd marching, be, yeah. yeah. Chaining myself to the wooden <laughs> staircase. <laughs> so there's this lady here set up her little shop. Mm. What is bottom she? of the stairs, Muslim oh. prayer. Mm. Mm. So, can, can I ask you, Bob, to just tell us a bit more about the the nature of the, the multicultural nature of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, just because saying this is sort of the Indian and Muslim yeah, well, this quarter. Is a, yeah, that's right. And then, you know, the Muslim here is separated into two main groups. Sunni, um, which are the predominant um, religion. So they have their, their mosque. They would have a, like a small mosque nearly on every street. Because you've got to, if you've got to pray... Um, If you've got to pray five times a day, you're not going to want to walk very far away from your business, right? So each, each, nearly each, there's a mosque in nearly every street. And then you have a smaller Shia population, which are from, originally from Iran. And they have a beautiful mosque down the bottom of this street. Uh, yeah, so, so that's the main thing here, but you'll get other um, Buddhist people living in the area too is a bit mixed up. But then if you go 10 blocks to the west, you'll run into Chinatown, which lasts for another 10 blocks. So there's kind of, you know, the, there's areas, they're not distinct because there's a mix in each area, but just basically these are all the generators. So they still have a lot of generators because the power, we still have a lot of power cuts. Yeah, so, so we're standing on the on the pavement right now, on the sidewalk, and Half of it is taken up by a very brand new looking uh, piece of machinery, and it is a generator. It's a, yeah, it's a Kohler. It's a Kohler. Uh, is it diesel German? generator? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's pretty common. Actually, last night um, the power cut out in our in our building, ah. and it's yeah. we were told that it's not typical for um, for our building, but it, yeah. it, I was told that, that it happens quite often out here. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the big promises of the government that there wouldn't be any more power cuts, but haven't quite done it yet. But it is better than what it used to be. So um, you'll find that there's still a lot of, like, sewing uh, tailor shops. They still use the pedal sewing machines um, because they keep on working. Right, right. You, 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 <laughs> light, you, light, you light some candles and you yeah. just keep on going, right? Yeah. There was one story that said that a rich American tourist offered this woman a new electric machine and she said, no, I don't want it. <laughs> it's of no use to me. So there, I, I see a lot of, um, there's just a lot of, okay, the yeah. there's a lot of, um, 
industry and a lot of small businesses. Is there anything in particular that this area is known for? For I mean, you mentioned sorry, you mentioned textiles and stuff, but I yeah. see things that are not textile related. Well, you know, related. So um, this town is like India, like Indian towns, where each street has a particular thing. Like this street is kind of tailors and small printing shops that print uh, wedding invitations. Because you, whenever you have a wedding, you have to invite 500 people. So, wedding invitations is a good business. Uh, but then you'll go have other streets that are all electrical. You'll have other streets that are all paint. Very much like, yeah, Calcutta or, yeah. So, so it's kind of interesting. You get to know the different areas. Hello. These streets still flood a lot during the wet season. Mm. We're lucky now it's the dry season. So you'll be up to your knees, literally up to your knees in uh, very dirty water um, when there's a kind of heavy rain. The mon- sort of the monsoon season, yeah, right? Yeah, mon- which lasts from about April, May, um, May, <coughs> May till o- November, October, November. May to October, November. Yeah. Mm. Five months. Five oh, months? So here you'll see this one of the... Hello. This is one of the machines here. Oh, okay, cool. So this is a um, kind of a, just a pedal pedal thing, small tailor shop here. I've been here for about twenty five years. This guy. Uh, a lot of the tailors' works done by men. You know the the uh, machine. Uh, why is that the case? Is it just tailors happen to mostly be men, or yeah, it seems to be. I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, I think that's pretty common. I think all of my tailors have been men right, as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do they also make dresses as well then? Or is it uh, no, the dresses clothes? is, yeah, the right. uh, women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you'll see this in the street as well, fixing bags and fixing anything, these these machines, you know, they're very adaptable. Fixing bags? Uh, yeah, you know, like the, like the straps on your bag, they'll put on a new strap and fix it on the spot for 50 cents. See, very I, cheap. I, I, w- I wish we had that more because I feel we tend to just throw throw shit yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we and I just I really don't like to do that because I have bags that I really like. Yeah. Well, in poor countries, you still have it. Like, there's a guy who's an umbrella umbrella repairman. So um, if some of the spike the spoke breaks on your umbrella, you take it to this guy, and he'll fix it for you know thirty oh and actually ten cents. That's funny. My mother and her family, they used to do that in Hong Kong. Oh. Well, what happened is in the typhoon season, we call it the typhoon season. Yeah. In the typhoon season, they would, um, uh, after the typhoon, they would go out into the streets and find broken umbrellas, bring right. them back, and then right. they would just piece them and fix them, and yeah. then they would resell uh, them. Yeah. Um, Very entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. my grandmother, they left, they escaped from China. And yeah. Then, you know, so entrepreneurially speaking, they just started their own little business, and that was one way to just yeah. find money and yeah, well, it's a good business here. In in Sydney, you would just see all these um, um, broken umbrellas stuffed in the garbage can, right mm. after the store. Yeah. Mm. Although there seems to be a movement towards, um, I think there are some cafes now where people go to bring stuff to fix stuff. It's a movement starting in some, uh, some oh, cities okay. in the yeah. west. So that's a nice idea. I, I hope that you know. Yeah. Well, you know, recycling. Yeah. They recycle everything here, which is great. Yeah. But it's also out of necessity, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not out of um, some kind of environmental consciousness. <laughs> it's a kind of a middle class luxury. But good. I'll just go across the street here. Okay. Maybe end here, I don't know. Uh, so this is the local South Indian restaurant. Oh, wow. So they have like dosha. Yeah, and uh, they make naan here. Didn't I have one? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so this is a South, South Indian Hindu restaurant. Very great vegetarian food. Get a good big tali plate for about a dollar. Very really? cheap. But uh, this here is a naan oven where they where they make the naan chapati in the oven. So that's a naan. So he'll wow. make he'll make one now. We're gonna fork out fifteen cents now for a. I, yeah, I think I'll be okay. Hundred and fifty chat. Yeah. Can you afford? You can I, th afford I think it? I think we'll be alright. <laughs> There's a door open. Yeah. So these, um, you know, this shop opens very early, um, about five o'clock in the morning. Most of the tea shops here open at four thirty. They're using the soda yeah. bottle as the rolling. The soda bottles are rolling. I mean, they have this so kind of cushion that they, yeah. and then they just bang it in, mm. bang it inside, bang it in the oven. It's good, no oil. So it's um, great. So this is a typical breakfast where you'd have a, a sweet tea mm. and, and a couple of these naan uh, for breakfast. So the tea would cost you 30 cents, the naan would cost you another 30 cents, so for 600 chat or 60 cents you have breakfast. And if you're living on $2 a day, that's just about right. Now, you've been here now for how long? Four years? Yeah. This particular stage, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, do you... How much, you know, how much do you live on a day? I mean... I look, me as a foreigner, I live on $20 a day. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the majority of people Thank in this you. country live on uh, Thank you. $2 a day. Yeah. $2 a day. So I lead a very luxurious... I spend most of my money on taxis as well. Ah, uh, well, you travel around a lot. You got a lot going yeah. on. Doing a blog from Hong Kong. 150? Let's see. Now, they only use paper money here. I've noticed that. Yeah, no coins. There yeah. used to be coins. Uh, peer coins. So, one chat, which is, you know, hardly anything. Right. Uh, 1,000 chat is about a dollar. So one chat used to be divided up into a hundred peer coins, but this is obviously the old days, right? So, so they, got, they got rid of the coins. Thank you. How do I send them a... Oh yeah, they have a card. You can give him a card. Do you have a card? card. Give us your card. Card? Ooh, Business card. card. Yes. Can I, uh, where where are you? Where, where's your family from? Oh, the, he, your family here? Yeah, gone. No. Where's his family from? Oh, all okay. right. No, no problem. Problem. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the people. Um, there's a lot of people who work here that are orphans, uh, that have no family, or you know. Uh, there was a big. Um, Naga cyclone in 2008, which killed 200,000 people. So, and also there's you know it's a pretty high mortality rate here. I, I, I feel like I was really insensitive now. Just, <laughs> oh, no, I just know because I just wanted to know where he's from. And yeah, yeah, but I don't think he's not speaking English either. So, yeah, these guys can speak you know, good English. Oh, they but have a Facebook page. They're gonna. Oh right. They, yeah, they, they love Facebook here. Uh, so did, did, did Facebook. Facebook just entirely 
change the game out. Yes. Suddenly everyone's like, woo! Yeah. The outside world in, uh, and businesses and everything. It's all happening in three years. Like when I got here four years ago, it costs $400 to buy a chip, a SIM card. 400 uh, Yeah, they're basically, basically black market SIM cards for $400. <clears throat> Mine came from a monk that had been given out to a monk and then he resold it. Right. Uh, so, but now they introduce three international companies: Horodu, Telenor, another one. So now you buy a SIM card for a dollar fifty, and you can buy a cheap smartphone from China for thirty dollars. We got so data plans. We got data plans each, like ten gigabytes yeah. for I think maybe a thousand chat. I think something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 So cheap. Ten bucks, I think, or whatever. Yeah. It's cheap. Ten thousand chat. Ten thousand. Yeah. It's almost, I think it's cheaper than Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. So it's a revolution. Mm. Yeah, everybody has a phone, everybody gets onto the net. Yeah, it's, the young people kind of love it. <clears throat> it's um, not so many people reading books now. No. No. Well, you, well, you said, lit- oh, no, sorry, not now. The literacy rate is very high, though, you were saying. Yeah, and it'd be interesting whether it stays high or whether it, I think it probably will stay high, but, but now um, people are tending to read on the net and not, you know, books. You know, I can carry a bag because I know you've got your books in there to be the publisher. <laughs> 30 books. You want me to, you want me to, you want me to, here? Here we go. Let me help you with that. <laughs> you can try some naan. Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Wow, this is really fresh. Freshly cooked. Oh. Yeah. Warm. Warm. So soft. Oh, perfect with a cup of tea. Oh, this is mm. this is amazing. Not give some to him. You can even taste. Mm. This is gonna sound weird. You can it's taste like, the bread. You can taste the oven. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you yeah. can taste the sort of um, the, the crispiness, a bit of the charcoal, the clay. It's like um. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a it, it's a bit like a dry pizza dough. Yeah. Um, because yeah. everything, yeah. the food here is usually so oily. Mm. It's a nice change. Yeah, I, I've noticed that. And I was reading it's mm. it's because they they tend to cook everything until yeah. all the spices, the oil from the spices, separates yeah. out. Mm. And then you get that oil on the top, and it helps protect preserve the food underneath. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but it's. Not that healthy for you. Yeah. No, but uh, but it also be, means the food preserves. Yeah. So they can sell it, or they can because there's no refrigeration has not particularly yeah. been. The food further up north, Myanmar, is less oily. Up in Shan and Kachin. Now, now, wh- wh- why is that? Is it just the style of food? Just the style, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and maybe oil's not as accessible. Mm. Just please, thank you. Thank you. So Moorish. <laughs> Good. Yeah, have Very some. Good. We're eating oh. it all. <laughs> all the street food here. Do you eat a lot of the street food? Yeah, yeah. Never, never been sick from street food. Mm. Only from Western restaurants. Very common in Asia. Western restaurants, and it's like salads or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? You only, you only ever get food poisoning at a Western restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Except in India. Mm. <laughs> are, there, are there like very famous street? Stalls like everyone goes to for oh, there are food? some that yeah that are just for certain foods yeah yeah, yeah. like the best dosha the best samosa yeah. so um do you want to keep on going with this 
Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you mind? Yeah, we'll cross the road. We, we can walk towards your um towards the book yeah. uh, bookshop yeah. if you're alright. We can. So now we just you drop it off as well. This road. Yeah. So this is so this is like a six lane sort of road. Yeah, these are the one of the four big avenues that run east west. Uh, but now the traffic in the last four years has gone from nothing to everything. Yeah. And and it's all lots of one way. Yeah, all the avenues. Nearly, nearly every street is one way, except for some of them. And it's weird because you see the meridian or the center divide, and they're still both sides are one way. Yeah. yeah. And they drive on the all the steering wheels are on the wrong side. Ah, have you noticed? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. What's that about? Well, in, in the 1970s, the general who was a bit affected, a bit crazy, decided he was told that he was for superstition, for astrology, he had to do something drastic or something bad would happen to him. So he changed the driving that everybody had to drive on the other side of the road. So did everyone have to sell... No, oh, everybody kept, oh, so kept the same cars. cars but so they just drive on the other side is what I Yeah, meant. so you've got the steering wheel on the wrong side, on the gutter side. Yeah. Which is very hard when you're overtaking in the country, right? And you're trying to overtake and you can't see what's happening. One of the strange things about me and Mark. Yeah, I mean... When we were at the Shui Dagon, um, the, the, the large pagoda, um, the main, I guess one of the more famous pagodas, we were talking with one of the guys there, and he was saying that, yes, in, in Myanmar culture, we have a lot of different uh, superstitions. Oh. Yeah. And he yeah. was saying how, how important astrology is. Yeah. When, which day of the, of, the, of the week you were born on has meaning and stuff like that. Yeah, it's very much a part of um, Theravada Buddhism, mm. but obviously, you know, coming from India, um, right. the astrology. Yes, and then you've got lots of things to worry about with astrology. You know, whether it's the right day of the week, whether you're wearing the right clothes, if you're eating the right food combinations. Um, if, if you're if you're a serious astrologist, it's, it's very stressful. <laughs> right, because then because then you find out something and you go, oh shit, I need to make this big change or whatever. Yeah. And, um, like making everyone drive on the other side of the road. And many, many, many. Um, Childbirth here are cesareans because people pick the day of the week that their child is going to be born on. Well, so that they will, they will, because they won't induce labor, then they'll just say, Yeah. Now this is a good time, good day, we're going to take your kid out. Very common. Wow. Very, very common. Whoa. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, and wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> in my mind, I'm just trying to, you know, sort of. That's uh, just how strong it is. Wait, well, the, 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 my, my sort of. Oh, this way? Okay. My, you know, very Western, perhaps, yeah. or, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to reconcile science with belief. Yeah. And just, well, you're just thinking, is it, is it okay? Like, I'm like, wow. Yeah. But, but more, you said mortality rate is high as well? Yeah, the, it's higher than normal. Oh. Yeah. Uh, on the oh, other side okay. of the road, you'll see a very kind of French-looking building yeah. uh, with white and red. Uh, it's got a, a plaque down the bottom called the castle. Now, what this building is, is around 1910, uh, built by a French French guy. Right. And he had the first ice factory. So he was the first person to produce ice in Myanmar and became a millionaire. Wow. Because before, they used to bring it on boats all the way from um, Boston, originally, and then from Calcutta. But Boston, like Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So then he was the first one to actually build refrigeration plants here. And sorry, this was which around what time again? 1910. 1910. Yeah. So so the English could have you know ice in their gin lime and tonic. Of course. Problem. Right. And also for storage. Yes. Yeah. So it's only a, refrigeration is only a very new thing. Yeah. 1910. Yeah. And and down that way, that's that's another really old building. I see this color, this sort of. I don't yeah, know, this kind of light greenish aqua color. Yeah, marine. Yeah. Tealish. It actually again has something to do with lucky. Really? Being a lucky colour, yeah. Mm, this yeah, building in our right, with a tall tower. It's like a, like a bell tower in the yeah. middle looking thing. It has a bit of a kind of a Pennsylvanian architecture to it. But it does It does look a bit like that. Yeah. What, um, but this is 1912. This is the fire station. Still is the fire station. It's, and it's been the fire station since 1912. Yeah, yeah. And this was, when it was built in 1912, this was the tallest building. So that tower would have been the, you could see from all over, you know, Rangoon um, for the fire. And, uh, wow. These guys, like all firemen all over the world, are very friendly, always mm. let you in to have a look. Especially if you have a beautiful girl, like all firemen. Really? <laughs> uh, not sure if they'll let us in then. <laughs> Bunch of but sweaty dudes walking around. Here's an old, an old fire alarm. Oh, this one right here. Yeah. This looks so British. Yes, this is very it British. It is manufactured in Great Britain by Standard Telephones and Cables Limited. Uh, Gamewell. Yeah. It's a Gamewell box. Break glass, pull handle, let go, wait for engine. <laughs> That's very yeah. direct. That's yeah, very direct. <laughs> very good. Uh, I think it works, good instructions, yeah. I guess. Um, does it still work then? No, I, lo- I don't think so. Uh, not that I wanted to test it anyway. Mobile, break the glass on your mobile and call. So uh, there's a bit Hello. of history here. So this is um, this thing here that you'll see in front mm. is um, a bell. They have a metal thing here. Right. And they hit here on the hour. Every hour. All for 24 hours a day. So is at right? 12 o'clock, they'll give you 12, 12 strikes on the bell. Mm. Uh, but they'll do it all night as well. They said it keeps everybody awake, you know, in, in focus. As in keeps all the... All the, all the um... And all the residents over here. My, my friend used to live on that top block over there and she'd hear it all night. But obviously, it's one of those sounds. So we're just about to. 50 meters across yeah. the street then. Yeah. And they can Beautiful hear it. old building, yeah. Oh. Are they going to... Oh, no, they're just always yelling. Yeah. Do they have to go... I don't know what they're doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice old fire. Mm. Uh-huh. So this township's called Chatterdale, mm. and this is the, the main fire station here. Mm. And they call it townships, which is such a... Townships, such a yeah, British... yeah. Not townships or suburbs, townships, mm. yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, Chatterdown, this, this township, um, when George Orwell wrote his book, Burmese Days, it was actually about a town called Kata, up north. But to, to hide the town, the name of the town, Whoa, that 
building. The yeah, this is a okay. So this is, I mean, this is a um, watch out. You have to. This is the um, the council, the mayor's office. This you know the civic. Center. This is the this is city hall. Yeah, city hall. And it looks the the architecture here. You've got these uh, sort of turrets, little ta small short yeah. towers pointed with lots of ornate yeah. uh, stone type, stone or concrete decorations. Yeah. So this is kind of like vernacular um, Burmese architecture. But this was the first public building built with Burmese architecture in the 1930s, right? By a Burmese architect who previously built a pavilion for a Burmese exhibition in, in London and got this job. But what's interesting is the back of the building, you'll see, is totally English. It's like something from London. See the back? Well, it, it, um, I was in Manchester earlier this year, yeah. and there's this one particular street where you look down and there's just an entire yeah. row of buildings, and yeah. it looks very similar, yeah. except that those were like red and brown stones, and this is yeah. sort of large block. Is yeah. it, are, are those, what kind of stone is that, or is it all concrete? Um, I, I'm not mm. sure, but what, what happened was that they started building this building here, in the 20s and then in the 30s early 30s there was a nationalism movement here so the people demanded that they have a Burmese architect so it changed from the English architecture into this massive Burmese architecture and very so that's why the back end is very yeah, British English. looking and yeah, then you come yeah. to the front out onto this main yeah. street right right at the corner yeah. where it curves out goes towards the pagoda over there yeah. it's very sort of Burmese and Asian looking so the politics completely mm. affected the architecture of the very interesting. That's this is what you'll see up in Bagan. This mm. is a bit like the Bagan. We saw, we were in Bagan, yeah. we saw stuff like Bagan style. Yeah. Sort of the ancient style. Yeah. Traditional it's quite, style. It's quite strange. Some of the arches look almost Islamic, but it, then. Yeah, it does. The, yeah. yeah. And what is, what's the name of this pagoda? This is Sule. Sorry, this is Sule Pagoda. Sule Pagoda. Sule Pagoda is in the middle of the grid, you know, the 50 street grid. North, south, east, west. So, so it's Yangon, kind of the center. Yangon is a 50 street grid yeah. city, basically. Yeah. The downtown. The downtown, downtown sorry. Because actually, because Yangon is like 5 million people, but right. this downtown, old area, um, is, is a grid. And right, right, I just always find it really fascinating whenever I see this. It's right, right across the way, right here is. Uh, yeah, there's a mosque. There's a Sunni mosque right here. Right next door. Right. One of the biggest, oldest mosques. Is it? Uh, but it's been um, retiled, you know? They love right. tiling. So it doesn't look quite so old because it's been right. tiled. And it's got this sort of white and burgundy tile, yeah. blue tiles, blue small Spanish tiles. Um, with and then, uh, across the road on the, oh, on with the gold other letter, corner, excuse me. across the road on the other corner, you've got a Baptist church. So you've got everything happening. How does... um? And I mean, you know, whatever you're comfortable to share, uh, Bob. But what, what, um, everyone seems to just get on with it in the city, yeah, regardless of where they're from and whatever. Yeah. Well, it's a cosmopolitan city, you know, like any city, people are more tolerant and they're more aware and they're more kind of educated. So, um, people understand that you need to live together, mm. you know, it's very bad for business to be fighting, right? Right. And some people are very careful, like the, if, you're, if you're a Muslim living in the city, you're very careful, you know, about 
not to make too much noise, you know, not to cause too much trouble. Mm. The Chinese keep a very low profile. I'd like to go to Chinatown there. I just want to see how. Yeah, Chinatown's how funny because it's not really like a Chinatown. There's just a few clan houses everywhere, and very few Chinese restaurants. You can. <laughs> Um, it's not like a typical Chinatown where you have this central street with all the restaurants. And can I ask, I saw this earlier on, this is, this building. Actually, first, I first heard before that. There's a structure that looks like the, um, the is it the Lincoln Memorial? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's the Independence Monument. Okay. It's a phallic thing happening there. Yes, very phallic. Uh, and that's the, um, they got independence in 1948 in January. Right. Built this monument soon afterwards, mm. and on the bottom of it is the speeches that Aung San, Aung San, Aung San Suu Kyi's father made um, on that very spot before before independence. Mm. And then you've got the beautiful big Queen Anne style red brick um, high court over here on the other side of the park. It it, it looks a bit like a, it just reminded me of. Uh, the clock tower of London a little bit. Yeah. Just sort yeah. Of, sort of a... Yeah, the uh, clocks aren't working. <laughs> oh, those clocks don't work. I don't think at the moment. Oh, you're right, they tell different yeah. times. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, the High Court, everything, what happened in 2005, um, the government, the army, announced that there was a new capital. No one knew this new capital was being built. It was being built in secret. It was built in secret. And then on this one day in 2005, they announced to everybody there's a new capital... We're moving there next week. Um, uh, you can either move to the new capital and keep your government job, or you lose your job. And this is that's the first time people heard about it, really. So 2005. These, yeah, so these big government buildings like this building and the big Secretariat Ministry building, which is very famous further up, were completely abandoned, and just a few people left inside to do some, you know, work. So what? What? what are, what's in these buildings now? Very little. I think there's a little bit of a kind of a, maybe a state court in there, but basically empty. And then the ministerial building is completely empty. Uh, they're, they're but they're beautiful. redeveloping it, of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful structures. Yeah, but I, absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine a business coming in and trying to do something with them. I think the old secretary ministry, part of it will be a shrine to where Aung San was killed. He was assassinated in, the, in that building okay. in 1947, just before independence. Okay. Um, and the rest of it will be a hotel <laughs> and shops. Uh, sorry, I, I forget. Was it the peninsula that you were saying? Or that's yeah, that was hotel? in the other one. Okay. Yeah. But it's been kept secret at the moment who's, mm. who's, who's doing that job because it's such a big job. Mm. Okay. Are we, are we close to... So, oh yeah, so now we're walking, by the way. We're on our way to... Um, yeah, walking along Mahabandula Road. Mahabandula? Yeah. Okay. Who was a famous um, Burmese general who fought off the British for a while. That, that sounds like a, a Muslim name, is that correct? Um, like, Interesting. Um, I don't think so. No. I okay. Think Burmese. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just the way it Not sounded to me. I don't know the spelling. Yeah. So. Um, but we're walking now to we're, uh, to a bookshop. Is that right? Uh, we're walking to a place called La Day, which is a um, a kind of a gift shop, but it's all products that are made by disadvantaged groups, like a handicraft thing. Okay. Very popular. So forty different groups. Some of them like HIV AIDS or or women or poor people or you know just a whole bunch of groups. Okay. That um. They give them advice on design and production, and then they end up selling their products. But I also sell my book there. Okay. Tourist, tur- I mean, it's a very um, popular tourist. Place. Can we can we talk about your book then, Bob? Because I, I want people to know about you and want to find out uh, 
you know, if they want to come here, because your book talks about a lot of the things that we've just talked about right now yeah. on this podcast. Um, tell us about your book. I mean, it's about your research and stuff. Yeah, well, the, the book came out of, I started doing a column in a magazine uh, called Walking the Streets okay. of Yangon. And I would... Um, you stand here, wait for John. I would pick a street, basically at random, uh, say, say 13th Street, and then I would travel that street with a Burmese friend, and we'd kind of knock on every door, get stories out of everybody, take photos, um, and then that would take about three hours, and then I'd kind of write it up. I'd take photos of my iPhone 6. A, a little plug for, uh, <laughs> for you Apple heads. Um, and then uh, yeah. produced them in the magazine, but then I decided I quit that job the magazine and then um, I didn't know what to do so I said I'll make a book about it so I, I put all the all the streets um, about 21 streets in the book uh, plus I did a series of kind of writings called the impressions of Rangoon and it was kind of like the last day of a famous writer that had been here so say George Orwell you work out what is his last day um, and then you have him walking the streets uh, with the street names at that time in 1927, and thinking the thoughts that he wrote in his journal. So it's like a semi-fictional narrative day. So I did that with about six or seven different writers. And that's called? Uh, that's called Impressions of Rangoon, okay. but it's in the same book. Okay. Um, and then also I just picked, you know, certain little quirky <coughs> places that were producing local products. So the guy who sells buffalo yogurt, um, the umbrella repairman, uh, the people that make rice rice, um, paper roll wrappers, you know, mm. things like that. Mm. So it was kind of like a, just a, it was a snapshot of Yangon now. Okay. And it was to cheap, you know, paperback size. It wasn't a coffee table book. Put it in your back pocket, your backpack, and you travel downtown. It was to get people into the streets into the, and just to explore and have a, have a, know what kind of what's in each street. And what was your motive for, for starting this? Was it just really out of curiosity? Oh, just out of curiosity. You just fascinated with, yeah. with Myanmar? Yeah, I just kind of loved it. Uh, and it was just, I'd done a lot of oral history with um, indigenous people in Australia. Okay. So it was kind of a natural Which is where you're from originally? Yeah, originally from yeah I've worked 25 years with indigenous education oh. in Australia. Yeah. Okay. You should cross the street. Okay, cool. Got it. Oh. Yeah, oh, the street food. Ah. I can't do that. I can't no. do that. You can't thing. do that. <laughs> Four years. Oh, what is it? What is that? How are we it's describe that? Street, um, intestine. <laughs> I can't do intestines. No, not a fan of the awful. <laughs> I love that. So now we're going to this to um, to this craft shop. They were going to pull these buildings down, right? But now, because they've got successful shops in them paying rent, um, they won't pull them down. So it's ah. a really great way of saving a uh, saving a building. Lots of street stalls. They're trying to ban street stalls. Are they? Yeah. Um, uh, but they're resisting. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, because this is their livelihood. How are they going to be able to yeah. earn a living otherwise? But what you see, what you would never know, is that. The pavements used to be right out here on the edge of the tar there. Right. So if, if we're looking at it, so we're standing right now on the pavement. The yeah. pavement's about maybe half a foot, a foot, yeah. a foot high. Um, and it's maybe about, I don't know, 
eight feet wide, yeah. seven feet wide, but you're saying it extends for another maybe ten feet, yeah, twelve feet out into the yeah. road. Why is that? The, and then they, well, they that changed it. That used to be the pavement. So the pavements were very wide and wide and had lots of life and people used to sit and talk and eat and it was very cultural, right? And then they took this away to create parking spaces for cars. And this was a huge change in downtown because now everybody's forced onto the, the pavement where there's not enough room, so people walk on the road as well. And now the street sellers, who had plenty of room before, are now contesting this space. So yeah. now they want to get rid of them now. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like a like a narrow urban sidewalk <laughs> yeah. now, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so when, when did they do that? Um, uh, when did they last year. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, so just even if last I came year. here last year, the, yeah, the street would If you would've... came here two years ago, all this would have been big change. Wow. Yeah. Um, so now they blame the street sellers, but really the problem was caused by the fact of taking away the sidewalk. Mm. Okay. So this is Pansadan Road, very famous road, okay. which was very famous actually for selling books. So all the students used to come here um, to get books, right. and all the people used to come here to discuss politics. Really? And uh, there's been times when the government came along and <coughs> got rid of all the shops got rid of all the book things because it was uh, there was too much political talk going on. Mm. So it's a very historically famous um, place where you'll sell all these, see all these second-hand books for sale. So now we're walking by and there's just all a lot of books. Yeah. So wow. Arthur, Arthur Miller, Death of a Salesman, yeah. George Orwell, Burmese Days, Twilight yeah. of Burma. Uh, so what's interesting is that a lot of these books are photographic copies, right? So, so illegal. So they photocopied them. Yeah. Okay. So, which is good for local people because they can afford book, but these are basically for tourists, right? Mm. Um, now, I know the guy who does this. So, um, because he's kind of a friend of a friend, he promised me that he wouldn't copy my book, mm. which was great for me, right? Because my book would, you know, be like selling for such a small price. I would never. But what happened with your friend Jade? because she didn't know the local person who does this book. Her book is already being copied in for sale for 5,000 chat. So it's a bit... So already. So it's I haven't possible. even seen it. It'll be here somewhere. Okay, so it's possible we will pass by. She's only just published it. Somehow they got a copy of it, and they've copied it, which is devastating for her. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I am going to talk to the guy mm. and see whether I can influence get or a get word my friend. In, get a word in for her. This is really Where's fascinating. Is book that uh, Jade recommended to read? Uh, Burmese Days? No, it's another one. Um, let's see. This is the one that he wrote in Kata, you know? Mm. But he called it um, Chesnau. Mm. So this is, see, this is his mm. mythical map. So he mm. changed the name and then... Finding George Orwell? F uh, finding oh, yeah, George that's, Orwell. That's written by another yeah. person. That's oh. not about Mapping Chinese. This is her book. This is Jade Lynn Roberts' book. I almost feel like I should. Oh no. Oh no. So she's devastated with this. I don't know. Does she know this? Yeah, she does. She does know. Oh, yeah, no, it's actually for sale for 8500 She doesn't get any royalties. She gets nothing from this. University of Washington Press. Yeah. This would have been for sale in the real world, maybe 30 or dollars $50. Yeah. And it's available on Amazon.com in any book form as well, I think. I'll give a shout out. 
to her product, but yeah, you can take a look. Hello. Yeah, so I'm just gonna take a little walk around about this area. The books are f amazing. There's, let's study Hebrew. There's a book. Wow. So there's a book about how to study Hebrew, studying Hebrew. Um, and just four books away from that, there's a book on AutoCAD and Burmese. Uh, there's a book on old Burma, early pagan rituals, Burmese gems and jade. Lots of rand English idioms for Burmese students. This is an old, um, looks like an old textbook. It's an old textbook where Hatch has English and Burmese sort of one line after the other. I think it's to help them study. This is just really fascinating stuff. Uh, by the way, guys, I hope I hope this is interesting for you all. I know uh, you can't necessarily see everything, but I hope that you're able to hear and perhaps get a sense of what's happening as we're walking through the streets and as Bob's talking to us about these buildings, he's also sharing enough interesting information about the place and the history and some of the interesting cultural aspects of, uh, of this particular area of Yangon in Myanmar. Um, okay, let me take a look. Let me see how they're doing. See if we can continue walking. Cool. Mm. Alrighty. Okay. But the uh, Burmese don't care about it because this is the market. It doesn't affect them. Mm. You know? What was that? The, I mean, just... They're copying English books. They right. couldn't care less. Right. Uh, but some of the booksellers now are getting angry. The people that own, actually own bookshops right. Burmese are getting angry about this. Mm. There was a book fair the other day, a huge book fair with all the booksellers and the guy that produces these reproduction copies, they gave him the worst place, the most out-of-the-way position in the book fair. Deliberately? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Punishment. Fair well, enough. He's lucky he got his... He's lucky. Yeah, they didn't... He's lucky he was even there, right? Hope you sure changed. No, one dollar. There you go. Thank you. Mm. Should we do that? Anything you recommend? Um, that book, you know, that... Um, there's two books, Finding George Orwell and the... Uh, River of Lost Footsteps is the best history. It was written by a guy who's the head of the Yangon Heritage Trust. Okay. Thant Men Liu, mm. who, the grandson of U Thant, who was the United Nations Secretary General in the 60s, during the time of the regime. Wow. Yeah, which was interesting, because he never said anything about the regime. Okay. Well, we don't have to get into that. That's fine for the episode. For this particular episode, for our purposes. So, how, so are we almost at the um, yeah at the yeah. store? La, we're gonna, we're, now we're walking in the back of the high court. But you'll this, see all these booksellers here. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. So this is the high court. Yeah. But right at the, as a part of the same structure, there's a little corner shop that sells mobile as a mobile oh, yes. customer care center. Well, like you can only think. Oh, this is actually part. Oh no, this is still. Sorry, sorry. This is okay. the telegraph building. Ah, okay. The high court starts. Here. Ah, okay. But it's all the same color. It's almost looks yeah. like it was built. Yeah, the same. By the same built people. around the same. Mm, okay. This is a bit newer. I see. Oh, sorry. It's, it's, they're not attached. Okay. I see. So Do I get a lot of um, old books from here and make posters from the book covers, mm. which is another kind of little business that I have. Oh, okay. Uh, this is the same writer as Finding George Norwell. Uh, this uh, is the book you should buy for so the best history. Emma Larkin, No Bad News for the King. Okay. With the um, author of Finding George Orwell yes. in Burma. And what's the name of this book? What's this? The River of Lost Footsteps. Histories of Burma. Yeah, this is my, my friend, Sunny Tun, my Burmese writer friend. Mm. Um, 
This is his book. Yeah. This is a copy of the Great, great title. In the Myanmar well, tea shop and other essays. Yeah. Yeah. This is what a George o reading a George Orwell novel. Yeah, in the Myanmar tea mm. shop. Yes, that's good. Yes. Jade also talked about that one as well. I don't think this is. A, okay, cool. This isn't a copy. This is a second-hand copy of his book because mm. they wouldn't copy. Mm. They don't copy um, Burmese writers. They don't illegally copy Burmese mm. writers. Very nice of them. <laughs> they have some sort of uh, <laughs> There is some kind of a etiquette. A code, right? Code, code. How I, code. I still can't find the finding. No, no, I can't find yeah. it either. No, but but it's but clearly it should be. It's okay that it's here because no, there's a book of her here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book by Emma Larkin. Have you been finding George Orwell? I'm not only this one. Okay, no problem. Yeah, it's not. 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 Yeah, it's how much is this one? Quite Ooh, I stepped on gum. Oh. The sign of Western usually civilization. About, usually about 20,000 chat. But this was kind of my Bible when I first came here because it gave me an idea of who was here in 1910, who was in those buildings that I was looking at and what businesses there were. Very interesting. Now, is your book... Um, tell us a bit more about the book that you, you passed to me, that you gave to me. This one? No, 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 sorry, your, your own book. All right. Um, oh, well, look, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a, for me, a writing exercise. What I realized was that this place is changing very quickly. And for me, because I was very interested in history, I thought this is a great chance for me to have a snapshot of this town at this moment as it's undergoing rapid change because in another 10 years most of the places I'm talking about in this book and the people and those businesses and will all be gone so I thought it was also a great chance as a historical document as well as you know getting people to walk in those areas and, and uh, appreciate those areas you know before they're gone yeah and hopefully put a bit of pressure on to stop demolition was it how, how receptive were people to to you going around their neighborhoods, oh, they loved it. Meeting them, talking to them, they loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, they're a bit wary because they think you're a government official holding a pen and paper, and that you're they might be in trouble and they're going to kicked out of their property. Even you as a foreigner, or is it because yeah. you're a local friend? Uh, uh, both. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then the first thing we say is we're writing a story for a magazine, so that it'll increase your business in your shop if they read it. Uh, that was it. <laughs> uh, but even without that, it would. Talking to residential people, they were really interested. You know, like most people, like wow, you mean you're actually interested in our in our history? No one's taken an interest before, and uh, you're the first person or the first people that are actually asking questions about our history. Very common. Yeah. So people are very, you know, very open. Yeah. It's great, and uh, it could take you. Um, once I did one, it took me one. Two hours to walk 200 meters. So, you know, you, 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 you go into one building, you talk a bit. 
and you always discover when I did my own street art just when I looked at it closely I found all these things that I hadn't seen in the three years that I was living here quite interesting I want to transfer it so the next um, I'm very seriously thinking about maybe going to Havana and doing a walk in the streets of Havana wow well that's another place that's opening up and will undergo kind of rapid change well if you if you do end up going I'd be happy to uh to join you there Please. at some point. I'm sure John and I would both agree on that one. <laughs> so this is, these are the buildings that have been done up. Okay. Um, this one oh. here. You've got Sharky's, which is like a delicatessen. Okay. You've got Rangoon Tea House, both downstairs. Okay. And La Day is upstairs. La Day is upstairs. Okay. Sorry guys, they're they're doing some construction, not construction work, some uh, some building work outside. They're just cutting wood on the outside. Um, we're walking up um, staircases where they're they're redoing the wood and the doors and the hinges and stuff. Up into this place called La Day, spelled H L A space D A Y. Let's see, socially conscious customers creating opportunities through design. Myanmar.org. if it is you that are interested. Wow, it's a fascinating spot. So we're here with, um, so uh, we, we've got Bob's books right here. I think we're going to put them down here for him to help sell. Should I take them off? Should I put them down here? Bob? Yeah. Here we go. Hold on, I'm going to take the books off. There you go. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I'm totally fine. Actually, balances, balances me out because I got my backpack on the back. I think at the same time I also get paid for the last 20 books. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. A lot of these um, things are made from recycled materials, like this is packing tape. Right. Um, made this by is, different groups. This is great. I think I'm going to buy some souvenirs here for people. Yeah. Okay. Bob's gonna go do his thing to get uh, get paid for his um, his previous book sales and drop off his new books, I guess. So um, I'm gonna have a bit of wander about. We'll catch you guys back shortly.